Welcome to the future of music. My name is Jake Abel, and I started this podcast as a passionate music fan interested in how technological developments like Web3 and AI will disrupt and continue to affect the music industry. Each week, I talk with artists, entrepreneurs, and music professionals about all things music and tech. So whether you're a musician, industry professional, music or tech enthusiast, or just have a curious mind, I'm hoping this podcast can become a resource for you to learn from me and the incredible guests I have on and to prepare yourself for the future of music. In the spirit of technological development, I have started using an AI model of my voice to create my intros. This podcast is released in collaboration with Float, an experimental label, media company, and music platform I've been working with that helps artists create music and release it as digital assets. Check out the links in the show notes to find us on social media, see what we're up to, and discover some incredibly talented, independent artists. And this episode's guest is Float's founder, AJ Washington. This is AJ's second time on the podcast. I met him during our first episode in October and since then have become one of the core team members of the company. We use this episode to give a bunch of updates on how Float has changed since October, what we have in the works now, and our philosophies around music business models and helping artists. I hope you learned something new from today's episode. Here is AJ Washington. And we're back. Yeah, we did it. My first repeat. Oh, okay. All right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we're here now we're here yeah now we're here yeah. live at live at candor this is uh the first like real live setup i've done so this is cool i'm excited the yeah. first live uh or the first repeat guest as well oh really this first yeah v2 v2 yeah i mean i've started talking to other people like i said i was talking talking to Jaden about it right um there's definitely some other people i think would be cool to talk to again and catch up because it's been almost a year since like I started, which is kind of crazy. No, nah, it's been like nine months. I should have looked at a V1 before we did this. Yeah, I, 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 did. I also wish I did. But, I mean, I remember our conversation. Like, we met. That was when we met, which is funny. True. Like, just our history, like, with that episode is funny because we met. I forget who connected us through, like, Discord or whatever it was. They're like, oh, like, Web3 Music. I wanted to talk to you about ticketing at first with Neon Ox. Right, that's and right. And then they were like, just... I don't know. Someone was like, DC, Web3, music. Like, you should talk to this guy, AJ, and float. I was like, all right, cool. And, like, now I try to do, like, an intro call before I do a podcast. I think it just makes things flow better. But, yeah, we met on that episode. And, like, I... Oh, that was the first... Yeah. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I remember... I think you reached out and said, hey, I have a a music podcast, and I would love to, you know, have you on. I'm like, sure. Yeah. And I don't think I had really thought about it until, like, five minutes before Uh we did it. (laughs) Yeah. And then I jumped on. I'm like, all right. (laughs) yeah and i like tried i feel like i couldn't find that much about like what float really was right before that either like i was poking around on the website and on socials but really mostly learned about it through that episode i I feel like people who've watched that episode have said like that they could see like the authentic reaction in me of being like whoa like this is sick right 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 because that's how i was on that on that um but yeah, that was funny. And then since then, like, I mean, sort of just for this episode, like since then, I was like, how do I help float? Basically, like we I realized we lived mm-hmm. a mile from each other. I was looking for more ways to get involved in music. And then, yeah, we just started meeting up and it's led to, you know, chief of staff now. Yeah, right. <laughs> I know. Like full time, full fledged member. Yeah, no, for for me, you know, it was interesting because I think that was that podcast. What I do remember about it, it was it was the first time. I really start talking about memberships, mm-hmm. right? That was when we, we started thinking about this new model around 
members, having members, members are our distribution. We create assets and then ship them to members in the sort of music club format. And we must have done that, uh, you know, we must have done that podcast probably in the fall sometime. Yeah, it was like October. October, because the idea sort of we went away from it um, while we start focusing on uh, some other things. And now we're back to that. Again. Yeah. Right. I'm sort of realizing so, that right, like exactly in us talking right now. Yeah, yeah, it sort of has come full circle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's come full circle. So, I, I wanna. I mean, I, I wanna go back and and listen to that to yeah. see sort of how I was talking about it then, and if anything has changed because I think it's still in its purest sense like the representation of how we think the new model should look and feel, and I think you know what we sort of got away what we refocused towards was thinking about creating assets, Mm -hmm. getting in studios, recording with artists. Like we started really focusing or refining that part of the business right? so that we had something to ship. Right. But still, I think that core model now we have both parts of it, right. Where we have the capability to take artists in studio and we have now, uh, a, you know, a way to do that digitally is what we're sort of, you know, what we're building, this collaborative platform. And then once we have these assets, I think the idea is still to, you know, distribute them to a membership that highly values music, that wants to own NFTs, that wants to own digital assets, that doesn't have the time, right, to go search and dig. But, you know, that's what we're getting paid to do, essentially, is to to do that and distribute Mm -hmm. these assets. And then now, in addition to that, and this is where, you know, in October, we didn't really have this other piece is if it was originally just around membership and receiving music, receiving, you know, music as digital assets, what we did not have was this other layer of uh, experience that we can now right. layer in on top, right? Mm-hmm. Where we can say, okay, members, not only do you get, you know, these rare things that we're making, but you, we also can put you into the room when they're being made. And we have, you know, partnerships with Violent Noise and and others that allow us to, you know, make that experience a, a reality. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's sort of go back and tell that full story. I mean, sure. like the, the site that we were talking about in October was very much curation focused and not right. as much creator focused. And like, right. that was one of the big changes. But I mean, I think with this episode and we were saying this earlier, like I sort of wanted to be standalone. Like I feel like a lot of podcasts are like, Oh, go listen to this episode first. And it's like, right. not everyone wants to do that. Right. So I think briefly, let's talk about like how you started Float and then like the changes from October to now. Cool. Yeah. So Float started really uh, on an idea that we wanted to help artists get paid for their music. Uh, And we thought the best way to do that was to allow artists to sell their music. Right. The prevailing business model in music is to give it away for free and to sell something else. Right. So I always say it's like telling McDonald's, you know, give your burgers away for free and sell mcdonald's t-shirts as your primary business model that's what we're asking artists to do um it doesn't make sense right it and it and i think there's now with technology a way for artists to sell their music and so that's what always has been the goal is to introduce arts to this idea of hey there's a new business model that uh you can operate under it will allow you to make more money from less people than the traditional space right if you think that right now what artists are able to do is make you know, thousands of dollars in streaming from millions of views and listeners, 
Well, what NFTs and Web3 does is really flip that on its head, right? It now enables an artist to make millions of dollars potentially from thousands of users. And that in and of itself is, you know, an innovation worth thinking about and paying attention to. So, you know, that was always the original idea was, okay, how do we, how do we help artists think about this technology and how to implement it and use it in a way that allows them to make money so that they can continue to make art full time. And our thesis has always been that, you know, we're not necessarily trying to make artists millionaires. Like that would be ideal, the ideal scenario, but we at least want to get them to the point where they can make 40 or Mm $50,000, right. And have a living wage from their art. And I know, you know, like if we can get an artist to that point, then they can go as far as they want. Right. But just get to give them that opportunity to, to make art full time and make music full time. That's always been the objective. So, you know, how do, how do we think that that was best executed? Well, you know, we've always had this idea that, okay, if we want to sell music for artists, we need to bring buyers to the table. And how do you bring buyers to the table? Well, you have to present buyers with great music, right? So, you know, curation has got to be a core part of any offering in music just so that you can really create a marketplace and ecosystem that favors both, right? We know that there's a lot of interested people in music and music NFTs, especially now. We know there's a lot of people that like to stay on the cusp and cutting edge of music, but just don't have the time, right, to spend digging and listening and, right, Mm -hmm. finding. And on the other end, you have a lot of artists who want to be discovered, um, now know the benefits of, you know, this technology, um, but don't know how to sort of implement it or what the steps to take. And what we've always thought was that curation was the solution to this discovery problem that both, you know, artists face and that, you know, that the consumer faces that wants to stay on the cutting edge of music. And so curation's always been a core part. You know, we started started getting really hot on TCRs, tokenized curated registries, um, as a way to use incentives to drive, you know, quality curation. And that's what we set out to do. So we built the first website as a TCR, um, which is essentially a music voting site. And that voting site was merit-based. Anyone could submit music. That music was listened to by uh, members of Float um, and voted on. And the music that passed through that filter then got other benefits. So we would write an article about the artist or we would... Uh, help them mint an NFT or we'd onboard them into the community. But that's how, you know, we identified a large part of the community that we call, you know, the artists around float today was through that, you know, voting mechanism, that, that rudimentary site that didn't work half the time, (laughs) but, um, but it did its job and it did its job really very effectively. And it, and I think the, you know, the, the core insight there was if you know people who know good music then that's a great place to get insights from for you know what's interesting in music right now and you know what we should what we should be paying attention to and um and that's what we carried forward so you know we ran that site for about a year um we were doing some maintenance on it and while the site was down we started thinking about and this takes us to last fall i started thinking about okay what else can we do uh, in the meantime where, okay, with the site's coming back, what, 
the site, the way the site works optimally is when artists are putting music onto the site versus right. you or me right. sharing yeah, links. Right, yeah, the site had, you could submit links or you could submit files. Right. And it was just most, almost entirely links back yes, then. Like it was exactly. just people finding music and throwing it in and people, right. yeah, you were sort of voting on people's music taste, but there wasn't as much right. like Original creation music. being uploaded. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so we said, all right, well, let's take the time to really think about how we can start generating music that we would put onto this site. And so that's what led us to, you know, into the studio with artists. That's, um, you know, that's being in studio with artists is for how I got into music mm-hmm. originally. And so I've always enjoyed that. But, um, but for now I had, you know, a sort of a, another purpose behind it and it was really, okay, now can we curate a room of artists can we curate that room such that, you know, we're making quality music, set the conditions to make amazing music. And then if we can do that, then we have amazing music to populate our site. And then, you know, we right. can now grease this engine that way. Yeah. Um, and that's what led us, you know, back into studios in the fall. And then eventually to Art Basel, where we did our first, uh, our first camp. Uh, that's what led us to meet Violent Noise mm-hmm. and go up to their studio in New Jersey and host you know weekend writing camps and recording camps and uh and that's now has led us to you know a partnership with the eaton hotel here in dc where we have our weekly recording session and just our folks in general much more about being with artists in studio making music i think what we've learned a lot of things from this transition as well in that period i mean we definitely learned a lot from that session with campfire in miami like that was hectic as hell the files are like they actually they just released it like this week they just released like the first song from that session that was in really december wow like right it took forever to put all those pieces together and right yeah i feel like i mean at that point i was just sort of trying to show face and just like see if i could get involved but you definitely were like organizing everything and learning like, all right, this is like not exactly the right way to do it. We had like four studios for 12 hours and people were just running around. There was no one like keeping track of all the files and everything. Right. So we've gotten a lot better at that for sure. Right. But I think we've got more organizers still. I mean, I think those are lessons learned from that first exercise was you need, we needed more organization. Yeah. We needed maybe more time. And we needed just more sort of control over, uh, you know, the environment in general. And and, um, and we thought, you know, coming out of that, that, you know, we could make a couple of changes that would have huge, small changes that would have huge impacts on the success of those sessions. One, you know, instead of doing it for 12 hours, what if we did it for, you know, 48 hours, mm-hmm. right? Really let artists come meet, vibe off each other. And will that produce more and better music? Too, yeah. How do we get organized around files, and and how do we, you know, make sure that whatever's produced is accounted for, and and uh, and you know, we have the ability to then, you know, have those files so that we can release that music, which has always been the purpose. Uh, I think the third thing that we did, uh, well, we learned was the value that the non-artist places on that experience right mm-hmm. so if you yeah. remember there were a lot of you know people that were friends of ours that were in that room right. in those rooms yeah i was one of them and they were and yeah. i was like this is so cool and and they you know people love it it's yeah. like a really cool experience to be at the point of creation 
to see how the sausage is made. And it's just, I think it's humbling for a lot of uh, non-artists, non-creatives. Uh, I do 100% believe that the predominant belief is if I have auto-tune and I have like a cool beat that I bought off BeatStars, then I can make a hit. You know, I think a lot of people think that. Uh, but the reality is it's, it's much harder than that to make music that connects. And I think when you see it being made in that environment, you really have a deeper appreciation for the art of making music. And I think you also, because of that, more highly value it, right? So um, it has a dual effect for us, right? You know, we get to, you know, bring artists that we love into a room together to make music. We get to uh, create content around that, which is great. We get to, get to create an experience for the artists and the fan. That's, that's amazing. But, but ultimately, I think we turn a lot, of, a lot more fans into collectors that way. And at the same time, we're able to educate uh, artists on, on NFTs and Web3 and, and onboard them in a more participatory way that, to me, is much cooler than you know, us doing a lecture or you know, doing a podcast where we just talk about it <laughs> and send it, to, send it to folks. So... Um, I am going to do that, though. Yeah, I mean, we I am going to do that with this. We'll do that, too. <laughs> Not to say we shouldn't do that, but that can't be the only thing, I think. No, most, yeah. You know, it, talking through, to people in person through is, doing yeah. is, is, is really it. Doing and just, like, being there with people. Yeah, right. you can guide them through it. Like, right. Um, yeah, like, sort of sending people a podcast to listen to or, like, a link or, like, download this and then we'll talk. Right. It's, like, no one wants to do it. Right. But, like, even at, even at the Violent Noise House when I'll sit down with, like, like Ta or Ray or Nate or like whoever's there, I'll just be like, look, just give me your phone for two seconds. I'll show you how to set it up. Right. You'll just be good right. for now. Like it, it's right. super, it takes two minutes. Right. And then they start asking questions. They're like, you know, what can I do with this? How do I get the money? Where does it go? Like, right. how is it distributed? Right. And then as you sort of explain sort of all the benefits of blockchain that we talk about all the time, they're like, okay, yeah, right. I can see like why you guys are doing right. this. Right. But yeah, being in person for that kind of stuff, is it makes a huge difference. Huge difference. Yeah, huge difference. I think then the thing we really need to do next that is still missing is just like you said with Campfire, they're just now releasing music that they made in right. December. Well, you know, we're in the same position. Like, yeah. you know, we have a lot of music that we've made, you know, from January on, including, right. you know, in this, this Campfire sessions that we're sitting on mm -hmm. um, and we haven't been able to release in the way we want. But ultimately, I think that's what solidifies it for artists is when we can yeah. sell an NFT and they automatically get money distributed to their crypto wallet and they can see it happen and they can feel it and they can experience it. I think until that happens, it'll still feel, you know, like, like imagine it. Yeah, it'll still feel sort of abstract. It'll still feel abstract. Yeah. Once they, you know, it doesn't have to be a lot. I think if an artist, you know, has oh, $10 dollars have, yeah. now in their wallet that didn't exist yesterday, right? they'll say, oh, shit, you know, yeah. this is this is." I was cool. talking to Amal about that once, and yeah. I was mentioning Marine Snow to him. And, like, Marine Snow's models, they, like, buy the license for a song to have it on their platform for 90 days. And then, and then the artist can, like, release it afterwards. And... I like mentioned it to him. He's like, "Oh yeah!" Like one time they like wanted our song, and I got five hundred bucks, and it was like, it was like sick. I got five hundred bucks. Like right. let's go. Right. And like five hundred bucks isn't like that much for like an artist like him who's getting paid five hundred bucks a night to DJ or more. Right. But it's still, it's like when you're making that money from actually just the music that you've right. made, and it's like instantaneous. Right. 
Like, no one's used to that. Everyone's used to streaming. You know, you get paid penny fractions of pennies on the dollar that right. you see 12 months later. And it's like a whole shit show to track it down. So, right. yeah, once we get this, I mean, and that's sort of something I want to get into also is like the releasing music and Web3 issue that we've found is like we want to put stuff out, obviously, but the old platform wasn't really built for it. The new platform is still underway. And in the meantime, it's like ETH is so expensive. There's nowhere great to do it on Polygon. Like we've seen all right. these issues that I think, you know, obviously the float platform is like going to be built to solve, but it's just interesting how like even a group like us who's been making so much music and like our goal is to put it out is having trouble doing it in a way that seems sustainable yeah there's a choke point yeah for sure in the process and i think there's a choke point naturally uh for artists to release music you know i think it's easy for artists to make music i don't think it's easy for them to release music but uh for sure as we think about it and we want to be you know rapidly releasing mm -hmm. like almost like catch and release as quickly as possible um, it hasn't been easy and, you know, I don't know if our platform is going to solve it, which is something I've been thinking about, you know, it's, it's, it's not a marketplace. So it's not ideally, you know, what we would be making is a place where artists that we know have a way just to upload their music, like they're doing the SoundCloud and like push a button and now it's for sale. Right. And anyone can, anyone can buy it. Uh, I think the way it's going to work is a little bit different than that, but, but that would be. You know, that's the tool that, that we need. So even today, you know, as we sit here and I think about, okay, yeah, we're still making a lot of music. Um, I still have questions about where is the best play, play in place to release that music as an NFT, as the digital asset. Um, ETH is super expensive, like you said. Polygon doesn't have like a great solution. There are third-party contracts and uh, pieces of infrastructure that we can use, or we can, you know, we can, you know, we could piece something together, um, and that might be, you know, the easiest way to do it. To be honest with you, uh, and then, you know, just we what we really want is a, a central place where people can come and find all that stuff, and that will be our site. But the actual minting is is still something that you know a lot of pieces have been built but there's not an easy straightforward way to to go about it yeah yeah i mean that's sort of the moral of the story is it like it's still difficult for people to figure right. this stuff out right um right one thing like i think the reason one core reason i think it's so difficult and i was talking with wine bags about this on on monday and i think it's sort of opened his mind to like he was talking about how he's like you know, we're talking about like Polygon securities law and like the lawsuit against uh, what? Which exchange is it that just got sued by the SEC? Um, Coinbase. Coin? No, no. Uh, Binance. Binance. Mm. And he, I was like, yeah, like you're an artist, you shouldn't be worrying about securities law. Right. Like the problem with with a big issue in Web three is that like everything has to be tied to crypto and right. like. Right. The benefits of the blockchain are amazing. Like all these automatic payments and data analysis and ownership of ownership of assets and data and like just the way that you can plug, you know, a contract that has like programmable splits into it and you can plug that into like all these other tools. Like the composability there is huge right. where like 
you know, you can't take like your Spotify data and plug it into Patreon and figure out who your best fans are. Right. In Web3, it's like pretty fucking easy to do that. Right. But it's all tied to cryptocurrency that now all these artists who are using it sort of have to give a shit about. Whereas like, you know, they don't really care about the price of Polygon. Like they're just right. trying to make music. They don't right. really want to dive into you know, am I selling securities yeah. to my fan right. base? But someone mentioned, someone said this to me the other day, and I thought it was, you know, really funny. But they're like, you know, what if, what if Kurt Cobain had, you know, Web three in you know nineteen ninety? You think he'd be worried about like, like the blockchain technology and trying to understand it? No way. Like no, this right. guy was just making music. Like yeah. he was not trying to figure yeah. out. Anthony Kiedis said something similar in, a, in 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 an interview. He was talking about how like someone asked him about like the transition from like CDs and stuff to streaming, and he was like, "Yeah, we didn't even really notice. Like we were just there <laughs> making incredible music, and if it got out, like it got out. However, it right. got distributed, and we right. weren't really worried about that. Like right. we were just worried about how the music was, right? What the quality of our songs right. were, right? And like that was just streaming. Like Web three is a whole another level, know. and like I know." And so I think there's a lesson learned in that for us too. Yeah. In that, and maybe it's good, right, that our, you know, site and our platform that we're building is more just on creating. Mm-hmm. Let's just create, create, I think create. So. Yeah. And see who's creating and like create the best stuff. If we're creating great music, amazing music, then it'll find a place to exist. Right. No doubt. For sure. So I think, you know, there's something to be said about that. Like, you know, we don't necessarily need to, you and I, right, as we're talking to artists, be talking Web3, 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 right. Web3, Web3. I, yeah, I've, like, almost entirely stopped right. talking about it. We should really just be talking about music, 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 yeah. music, music. Yeah. Right. I've, like, because, naturally noticed that in my conversations recently. Right. People are asking me what I'm up to. I'm like, yeah, I'm working for this, like, label music platform where artists right. can, like, sell their music and post stuff they're right. not working on that they want other people to collaborate with. Right. And everyone's like, damn, that's cool. Right. <laughs> and exactly. I don't have to be like, yeah, it's like the blockchain is doing these distributed <laughs> payments and you have to buy an NFT right. and it unlocks this. It's like, right. No one cares about the underlying technology. Yeah. Really. They and just we don't care want about, like, them to care. Right. Exactly. We don't want them to care. All that's going to happen is it's gonna, they're going to get confused and then, you know, they're already overwhelmed. Right. Independent artists, especially. And so we just don't need to add one other thing. And mm-hmm. if anything, we should come, right, and show up as partners. And, hey, we have these tools for you to use to help you create better music. And we'll worry about how to monetize. That's our job. That's our goal. That's our, you know, that's our specialty. Yeah, I think, yeah, I'm, I, let's dive into the platform a little bit. Sure. Because, I mean, that's, I think, our biggest recent development. Like, in the, you know, sort of in between websites, we've been, like, doing these studio sessions to help you know, populate what we're trying to build basically. And that's turned into sort of a whole aspect of float is like creating these experiences for artists to collaborate, which funnels into the actual monetization of all that music, which is the platform we're building. Um, So yeah, I mean, the new platform is, is super exciting and, and the team working on it is great. And let's, let's dive into like what we're building with that. Um, Sure. Do you want to just give an overview of it? I guess. Um, we we met Cathedral probably I met Cathedral late last year. Yeah. Uh probably the new November. Team. Yeah, the new ve- developing team, development team. Uh you know, Cathedral is I will call them the premier consumer focused 
uh, design shop in Web3. Um, so they're making consumer-friendly applications that uh, in a lot of ways emphasize the highlights of Web3 without, in blockchain technology without like you know putting in people's faces too crazy or making the user experience suffer. So they are, you know, in, I think part of the, the lesson learned for me last year was product development sucks, right? And we were very bad at it. Um, and I think the other thing is we, we, I don't know if we had the right partners who could bring my vision to life, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so there, you know, there aren't that many people now that I trust with that. Uh, Cathedral is, is, is them, right? And so we're super excited to have them as partners. Um, we've been conceptualizing, you know, this idea for a while, but really, you know, what, when we sat down with Cathedral, they said, all right, let's like really focus on kind of what you guys are great at. You know, we know you want to do a lot of things. We, you know, you want to help us monetize work. You want to, um, you know, want to, you know, want to focus on curation and creating, you know, work instead of like distributing and marketing and you know and promoting um and you you guys are very good at that so like how do we really isolate that as the skill that or the uh, offering that we build this platform around and really allow you to focus on curating a great room you know curating a great digital you know real, real estate piece of real estate and making sure the right artists are inside of it that are creating right we then brought to them this idea that, you know, one of the ways that we think Web3 could differentiate itself from the traditional music experience is by thinking about music as being open source content, meaning anyone can remix, remake, and reshare the music that they find, right, on our platform or in this new space. And that is an experience that you can't get on Spotify. You can't go on Spotify and download a song and remix it and then re-upload it and get paid for it legally, right? But we thought that would yeah. be really Even interesting. Even SoundCloud, like SoundCloud. SoundCloud has like some, like very occasionally you can download the MP3. Right. But usually, can't, like mostly you can't and you don't get like a way to remix it really. Right, right, right. But why not? Like, right. you know, it's only, it's the best thing that an artist could do to spread their music is allow you or I to make it our own and then share it with the people that we know, right? And so um, that was the other idea that we brought to Cathedral is like, how can we implement this idea onto this site? Um, it, what it does for us is it allows us to do that exact thing with our music, right? So we make music, we upload it onto this platform and this site we say anyone can remix it and reuse it for free. And what happens? People are now able to spread the music that we're making and spread the artists that we're working with and all do it all by allowing them to, you know, make the music that we're making their own. And in doing that, you know, creating more creators, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you, you know, what's, what's the next level of you being in the room watching music being made? It's you trying to make music. Right now, you really yeah. understand how challenging it is, and how hard it is, mm -hmm. and uh, what skills are are needed. And now you have a you know much deeper appreciation for yeah the the craft in and of itself. So, you know, I equate it to someone watching the game of golf and being 
You're like, ah, like, golf's easy. Yeah, golf looks super easy. And then you chip the ball into the woods six times in a row. You're like, what right, the fuck? right. Yeah, exactly. This is not easy. This is hard. Uh, and so, yeah, I think we wanna we wanna create that experience as well for our members. Like, hey, members come. You know, we want you to be able to, you know, download and flip and remix this music. And if you wanna, you know, sell it, if you wanna re-upload it here, you can. And mm-hmm. yeah, maybe we'll put this in the project, and now you have a credit. Yeah. But it's a way now to bring music outsiders into the into the fold create more creators right and also in doing that i think the music that we make will have more value because there'll just be more hands involved yeah i mean if you if if like i made a remix of some song on float i would fucking send it to everyone who i could possibly send it to i put it on my story like right and it'll just draw attention back to the platform right yeah it's really cool i mean like basically like on float people art artists that we're working with will be able to upload their own music to the platform with the stems so that people can see the layers of the song and then members who are paying to have access to all of this music and all the stems can just download everything and then make their own edits and then put it their remix on like the feed for that individual song and we can like see all the different versions that are being made people can download the remixes like i think there's a huge use case for djs too who are just looking for like edits and new music and like every dj wants to play some song that everyone loves in the club that no one's ever heard before right so like it could be a great spot for that um and yeah i mean it's exciting i'm just sort of explaining it to people who like obviously we talk about this shit every day right. and we know every intricate detail of how this platform right. is going to be built but yeah basically artists are going to be able to upload music and members who are paying for it can download it and remix it and upload it and then we can see who's that's I think another big big part of it is like the open curation and like merit based approach to finding new creators. Like yeah. on the platform everyone will see who's uploading the most content, who's remixing the most content, who's downloading those remixes and then like what artists that aren't our internal team and internal network uploading music, who from the outside is like posting fire shit that everyone wants to download and and DJ with or edit. Right. And then it just creates this open protocol for anyone to get discovered simply through the submission of awesome music that anyone can see. Instead of some tiny little A&R team that's like, you know, a few people deciding like, oh, I like this. I don't like this. I want to work with this person. It's like we just see who everyone, who the community fucks with. Right. And then we can bring them on the inside. Right. Which I think is a totally new. You can't do that anywhere else, really. You can't do that Right. Like else. that's. You know, one thing I'd thought about for a while was like how our labels going to adapt to this tech, and I don't really know how they are, but this is sort of the new label model that we can get into a little bit. I know you wanted to sort of touch yeah, on that. I think so, right? I think you know, if you think about the music industry in general, it's opaque, it's complex, it's confusing, it's unfair. You know, there's <laughs> a lot of you know built on bad contracts, right? Uh, there's a lot of lot of areas that are ripe for disruption and when you think about you know blockchain technology it's really built on this idea of an ethos of transparency and fairness and neutrality and and like community ownership trust. i think you trust know, yeah, yeah like no need for trust the trust is in right the technology trustless right? trustless so, uh and so when you think about these two things together like blockchain technology transparency fairness right global accessible open being combined with an industry that is the exact opposite, well, it will open that industry up 
right? Now that industry can just operate on different principles, be more open, accessible, be truly global and, you know, and expand, right? And I think there's a couple key principles upon which I think the new sort of music industry operates under or the new, you know, I say the next generation music platforms operate under. And I think this idea of open submission, transparent submission process is is a key one, right? Where now it's today, it's, you know, it's if you're getting signed as an artist is based on your metrics on YouTube or your streams right. on Spotify yeah. or who you know, right? You need to be proximately, you know, oh, in yeah, that proximity part's crazy. to LA. I, I was, who was I York. talking to about? Uh, it was Daniel Allen, who's like one of the biggest artists in Web3, like mm-hmm. has so many like dozen ETH project like sales and like he's fucking killing it in web three right but his goals recently are like how do i break into like the festival circuit how do i get more gigs how do i make a hit that like you know has is blowing up on like spotify or whatever like he doesn't care about like the streams he just wants reach for his music right and like in doing that he's like yeah, I met, meet with, like, my manager and my agent, and the first thing they talk about is, like, all right, what's your reach on socials? Like, let's go bring that to the festival. And it's like, fuck. Like, that shouldn't really right. be the metric that everyone is so, like, that everyone is valuing. It's like well, you you're valuing, it, like, the content creation of the musician. It's like you should be valuing the music of right. the musician. Right. Well, I think it depends. You know, I think it, again, there's two business models here that are, operating in opposition Mm -hmm. right one is curation and the other is more sort of commercial in nature i think the music industry is commercial right so the reason why they care about your audience and your sort of traction so far is because they want to bring that to their festival or they want to bring that to their label and they want to bring you know like the business that you've already grown to them um it and and what you know what you may what may be driving your audience is the fact that you have a very commercial sound. Maybe you sound like, you know, Nicki Minaj or you sound like Kid Cudi or you sound like another popular artist. Um, and it's, and that's sort of the, the frame on the other end is, is curation. Right. And, you know, a curator wants art, you know, they're very focused on the quality of the music. You know, I don't care if you have two fans or 200,000, I think you deserve 200,000, but you know, the art is amazing. And so that's what I'm sort of basing my decision on. And, you know, it's like a question for you. Like, would you go to, you know, I think you could do both, right? You go to a festival that's curated to identify the best artists and talent for you, or you go to a festival that's really curated to produce the most popular artist and Mm -hmm. popular sound for you. And I think they're just two dimensions you know, opposite worlds. Yeah. I think the music industry operates in that world. And I think what we are espousing to do is operate in this new space that is more interesting to me. And I think to a lot of people that really is focused on the quality of the music, the quality of art and not the commercial appeal. Um, And I say that with a pause because I think the, you don't have to have one or the other. I think it's starting with the art and then driving commercial, you know, mm-hmm. opportunities around it versus sort of just looking at trends and trying to follow them. Yeah, there definitely is that dichotomy. There's like people who are just sort of 
consuming music and and not thinking about it much and right. going to the big tours and and right. a lot of the industry that's where like most of the money is right and that's where like all the major labels are trying to make plays and right bigger venues and stuff like that and then there's like it's funny because like a lot of the people who like I think work in the music industry like don't even care about that shit they're just like sort of doing their commercial job and then they actually care more about the curation and like right. the good music and the underground artists and like the lesser right. known you know finding new shit like finding stuff that no one else right. is listening to yeah i think that's that's i think there's a big business has to be had there too yeah now, right right because now again like you don't have to reach a mass audience in order to make commercial sense that was always the case yeah. you needed a million streams on you need a million streams on spotify to make thirty four hundred dollars a million streams imagine a million people came into this you know, into the space and record a podcast. Like, you know, Candor would make way more than $3,400. Right. Like, that a million right. guests, you know, on yeah. that podcast. Um, but what is possible now is to, you know, you don't need that that scale. And so I think there's now there's going to be a, a shift in thinking around curation and art and, you know, what can drive instead of, you know, helping proliferate trends it's going to be creating new trends you know who's creating new trends who's creating new sounds who's creating and elevating new things and i think that because now you can have a niche audience super niche that can highly value something and instead of giving it to them for free you're giving it to you know selling it to them for a thousand dollars six hundred dollars twenty five dollars you know whatever it right. is like now you need less people, but a high, you know, higher concentration. And those people that you find that you are satisfying will be more sticky because you're special. You know, they can't find you anywhere else. And that's the business model that we think is really interesting around music right now is hyper niche audience, right? Identifying them and satisfying, delivering to them music that they can't find anywhere else making that music quality and in doing that you get the benefits of scale right if you get to a million members then amazing right but you don't need that right if you get to 10,000 or 5,000 mm -hmm. it's just as powerful yeah if anything it's, it might be cooler the smaller it is <laughs> yeah because then yeah I mean it's just the the like not FOMO, but right. You know, it's like everyone wants to have that new track that no one knows yet, right? And to have some like stamp of like I found this early. Right. Like everyone's looking for that, or everyone who like really cares. Yeah, and a lot of people, even if you know, I think that that is like in a that's a behavior that's latent in us, mm -hmm. right? It's just the the idea that I was first. Like I yeah. I saw this, right. I, I heard this before you did. Even if you're not familiar with that inside you, it's inside you. Yeah, <laughs> you know, for I think sure. it is. And with music, it's just such an easy way for people to exhibit that type of, uh, you know, that type of behavior. Uh, and and that's a that's just a piece of culture. That's certainly part of the culture that you and I come from around music. Mm -hmm. And I think it's you know may not be mainstream culture, but that was really another idea around the you know the voting site was the value to me of the NFTs that that would generate were you're being able to say, I like this at this point in time, mm -hmm. right? And your vote and the date stamp, the timestamp on that vote. Um, I think that's just, that's just as valuable to, you know, to a lot of people as 
the actual music itself, like just saying I was here then. Yeah, it's 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 going to be really easy to do that on the platform too. Like we'll be able to see who's active early right. and who's downloading what, and then what happens to it after. So right. yeah, all of that is going to play into it. Um, sort of switching up um, music as assets is another thing Float has been yeah. preaching a lot that I know you wanted to talk about. Um, and yeah. I think that's like, you know, that sort of just goes along with all the benefits we've been talking about in terms of, blockchain and web three and not needing scale but that concept is new very new to like most artists we talk to about right. it um yeah. how would how would you explain like how do you go about explaining it to new artists yeah i think assets are you know the simple definition is an asset is anything that generates money right um music does that naturally because it has a copyright attached to it so Whenever music is released uh, on a on a platform and registered uh, with a copyright, then it can start generating royalty whenever it gets played, right? So that royalty may be low depending on where you're placing that music, but the opportunity is always to you know be able to make money on the music that is released through generation of royalty from a copyright. So in and of itself, like music is an asset. Right. Music is an asset like real estate is an asset. If I have a rental home that I rent out on a monthly basis, generating income for me that I can use to spend on, you know, bills or food or whatever. Right. Um, just like stocks have that same quality. Stocks pay dividends, um, bonds. Right. Your savings account pays interest. Um, all those are assets that generate income and music is no different. So although, uh, you know, most artists don't think about their music as being a financial asset, it really is if it's released, right? Right. It does not have these characteristics if it does not exist in Anywhere the Anywhere outside of their hard drive, <laughs> yeah. right. If it's just on your hard drive, it's not giving you any of these benefits. So, um, so we, you know, we communicate, you know, this idea to artists, it's really from, uh, you know, not a lack of understanding or connection to you know, art and assets or the music and assets. And it's really in a lot of ways, not understanding what an asset is mm -hmm. and then be able to connect those dots. And so mm -hmm. I think a big part of the education of arts around this idea is helping them understand truly what an asset is, a financial asset, and then how they can think about their music within that context. And once that is, you know, that clicks, then I think ours take a new, you know, mind, mind frame around, have a new mindset around, you know, their music, right? Yeah. Because again, and getting it out there, if the goal in life, right. And this is, this is the goal of anyone who wants to be financially wealthy, right? This is the formula. It's generate enough, build enough assets that are generating income enough that you can survive on. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you have assets that make you $500 a month, and your, you know, your expenses on a monthly basis are five hundred dollars a month, then you're essentially free. You know, right. you, you know, your assets are working for you, around the clock, generating this money, and you're living off that, right? And, uh, and you should be always growing the asset side of the, of your, mm -hmm. you know, your personal balance sheet. You know, and when you do that, you're generating more income and more income and more income, and you can work less, 
right? So that's the idea is you want, ultimately you want the income generating from your assets to be on par or greater than your monthly expenses. And when you do that, then you're, then you're really cooking. Right. So when you think about music this way, now does it, does it pay to have more music out or less? Yeah, more. <laughs> more. Like you should have everything out. You yeah. Know, you should be releasing everything. Why? Because the more music you have released, the more has the potential to generate income for you. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think the thing that artists like to get cute about is, you know, what music is going to be popular or not. The reality is they don't know, you know. Right. No one knows. Yeah. Right. So you be doing yourself a double disservice by, uh, you know, by holding music back that you don't think is up to snuff or par or whatever, because, um, you know, you don't know what's going to hit with fans. And so I talked to, um, I talked to Citizen Cope. Uh, I don't know if you know who Citizen Cope is. He's a DC bred artist has sold millions of records has been signed to Atlantic um, and, and, and another label, um, and been on world tours, like wildly successful. And he told me probably six months ago now, he's like, he's like, yeah, you know, I release music sometimes and, um, it will, I'll look back and like, it'll have made me like $5,000 or $200 or $800, but it's better than zero. Right. Right. And he's like, you know, these are songs that, I know we're going to get any push by the label. They're not going to get any sort of marketing effort. And, and, uh, I just don't even put a lot of, you know, emotion behind releasing them. I just release them, but I'll look back in like six months or so. And like, yeah, they, they popped. They like something's positive has happened. Mm-hmm. He's like, now I don't think about myself as being in the music business. AJ, he's like, I think about myself as being in the copyright business and he's just making copyrights. Yeah. You know, he's just releasing copyrights. How many copyrights can I put out that could make me money? Right, right. So when you think about, again, the traditional way that music has been released, like the copyright has always been the way that you're able to extract yeah. value for your music and turn that right. music into money, right? Um, the more people that listen, the more people that stream, theoretically, the more you know money that you're making on it. What... NFTs and Web3 now enable is just a new way to generate income on the music, right? It doesn't, it's not an exclusive way. You can have it in this traditional copyright world and in this new world where you're able to, you know, sell the music. But now, again, it does nothing for you on your hard drive. It does something for you if you put it out uh, on streaming. And now there's another place to to place it so that it can generate even more, right? From fewer people. So it's a key part of this idea that the more music you have out, the more positive things can happen. And this Web3 NFTs is a space where bigger, better things can happen with the music that you put out relative to, you know, other options. Mm For sure. And that's sort of something with the with the float platform that we didn't really get into is like, you know, you can put anything on there with because the a core goal of it is collaboration and getting people to like work on stuff. And I think the ride my bike like 50 second clip is my favorite, <laughs> my favorite right. example of this, because like, you know, if you at least, you know, artists are always worried about like their release structure and is the song finished and 
that's why half this shit is sitting on their computer because they just don't know if it's like ready for the world. Right. But like one thing we want people to do with float is put out stuff that maybe it isn't ready for the world. Maybe you're not going to promote it on socials or drop it on Spotify and SoundCloud, but you can put it on float and the members might fuck with it. Right. Both like in the way that they like, like it and the way that they like mess around with it and like turn it into something else or help finish it. And that'll just, you know, that's just, it's another asset. If you put it up on the platform, it's an asset that can generate you income from the members that are paying to download it. Right. And that I think is really exciting because like the ride my bike example is like this like 50 second sort of like semi arranged clip slash loop that like Dreamcast and dupes made. And it's a really hot like 50 second beat, but like they didn't do anything else with it. They we were they made it at South by we were all over the place and now it's just like sitting in our Dropbox. But like. You know, if someone someone could easily hear that and be like, okay, all right, this is what I got to do with this. And then all of a sudden it's a five-minute song and everyone's downloading it on the platform and it's driving value back to them for something that, like, otherwise literally would not have done anything for them at all. Right. Like, literally would have sat there on the hard drive and that's it. Right. So that part I think is really exciting too. Yeah. And that's really interesting because I think, you know, the one thing that you just helped me really see is the opportunity – that exists for the derivatives, right? So yeah. Ride My Bike's a perfect example. That gets uploaded, and yeah, maybe that only gets downloaded like five times. But one of those downloads gets downloaded and remixed, and now there's a derivative that gets downloaded a thousand times. Sure. And that, you know, that thousand downloaded, you know, remix would not exist without that initial spark or inspiration mm-hmm. or idea, right? And so now we can track all that, and we can distribute value back based on you know, all that, like both, uh, you know, the new piece that is driving a lot of intention, but, you know, who the original, you know, creators of that were. And I, I firmly believe that artists should do this too, right? But it's, if you want, you know, your music to have the chance of popping, let anyone touch it, you know, let anyone remix it, mm-hmm. right? Um, because what's likely to happen is you just get more shots on goal, right? Yeah. So the you know it, one of the remixes is more likely to pop than the original, potentially, right? It might be the EDM edit or the sure. you know the drum and bass edit or the R and B edit or yeah. something else. But one of those flips is is going to catch. Yeah. You know, and the more you enable that to happen, the more positive things can happen. You know, for for that song and that music. And so, um, yeah, I think it's it's. This platform is going to be a lot of fun to, you know, for sure. Iterate and learn. Yeah. And, and, and I think also out. like that isn't just like a cool idea that we can talk about. It's like every artist I've talked to is like, I dude, I have so much shit. I don't know what I know. to do with. I know all of not. I mean, not all of them, but like most of them, especially producers, but like even True. musicians or vocalists, like everyone has stuff that right. is not out for some reason or another. And right. like, most of the time would never see the light of day. It's like right. everyone has that. Every music creator has that issue in some degree. Right. And for some of them, it's like to a crazy degree. It's like they got thousands of beats that they're sitting on. Right. And I, I mean, I'm excited for that. Right. Yeah. Like the, the, the people that we know, the artists that we know, the producers that we know, the, you know, the, um, the creators that we know who have amazing stuff on their hard drive that we're not only going to get access to listen to that, but to get the stems as well as components that now we can create other stuff with is probably the best part to me. 
right? I think in making music and producing, you know, one of the hardest things is finding sounds, like finding cool mm-hmm. sounds, finding interesting sounds. I think DJs face that. Um, I think producers face that. And, you know, collectively, I think that's probably who makes up a large part of our, you know, initial user base are, are those folks because, all right, we have better sounds on this platform, you know, better, you know, what do you say? Like better ingredients, better pizza, right? right. Like better sounds on this platform, yeah. like better music will be made mm-hmm. on it. So again, that's now, you know, it's up to us, right? Yeah. To make sure that the quality on the platform to start, yeah. right? These are the artists that are uploading, initiating sessions are quality. Like that has to be our number one focus is that, right? Because it all stems from that. If the components and the artists that come to this platform are quality, then people want to collaborate with them. People want to listen, you know, there's demand for these sounds and that's how, you know, that's how we grow. Right. Right. It's just by curating those initial creators and like being very, very strict around who can put music up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you have like some like sick drum pack from a mall and like some really dope vocals from right. Rakaya and then like some ver- some like rap verse that's just like sort of sitting on there from Napa that's right. That doesn't have any. And you put all those together like you're going to make some really sick. Exactly. Shit. Just from what you can just download on the platform. Right. Like, it's right. going to instill quality derivatives. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Because that's that's what we want. Yeah. At the end of the day, like that's what we always said, like curation is it. It's a huge component, most important component of us creating a platform that artists want to stand on, right, is ensuring that, you know, the stuff on it is quality. Mm -hmm. Um, That's been one of my big sort of my big wishes for Web3 was there was more curation, right? You think about a platform like OpenSea that has 17 million, when I last checked, NFTs on it. You're never going to see any of those NFTs, you know, you're going to see 99.99% of them. And there's probably a lot of garbage on, it. you know, like looking through them would be painful. Right. And I, you could say the same thing uh, about Spotify. If you were actually to listen through all the music on Spotify, <laughs> like I can't imagine the sea of shit you'd have to swim through right. in order to find like some amazing quality stuff. And there are gems in there. No doubt. Zero doubt. There's a lot of that, but there's a lot of shit on there, yeah. on there too, right? Um, and I think there's incentive, right? Now can be built, and I think it's interesting to think about building a place where, you know, either you've gone through all the shit of Spotify and like elevated the best stuff, which was what you know the original curation site could be, mm-hmm. can be, right? Is now you have a million people on Spotify picking out the best songs, and here they are, exist here that you would never have heard otherwise think that's cool um and another way to do that is sort of how we're doing it right where you know we bring in artists they bring in you know their friends and select other artists we grow a community of quality and talent um based on these you know seed members that we have and in doing that you create a layer of quality above a bunch of noise right you were not you know at the signed commercial layer and we're not at the sort of the bargain basement filings. We have like, you know, we have a nice layer of 
quality that we've been able to isolate and find and grow. Yeah. And I think, I think when you do that, right. And you've mentioned this a bunch of times before, it's like the network is irreplaceable. Oh, for sure. And like one thing I also want to get into is like how that, you know, how a network like that can sort of stand the test of time as like all this other tech is affecting music and all these crazy ways with like AI voice models and eventually like AI beat creation and, you know, VR and AR and like the different ways you can interact with music. Like, you know, part of that curation value is that like it's only going to get easier for people to make music and there's just going to be more music out there and more shit to funnel through. So something like this, I think, is something people can always point to as like, I know this valuable network of like really dope musicians is curating a bunch of awesome content. Like you don't have to sift through as much to find, you know, the good music, the good, the good digs. Like, right. Right. I'm sure that's something you think about a lot. I mean, yeah, I think that's a huge, huge part of our value that we are and will deliver and do deliver now. Right. We're saving you time. You know, it's, we're pointing you to the, where the cool stuff is because we know, Mm -hmm. uh, and we know because of all these artists and creators around us. Right. And that's saving you a lot of time and energy. And you would not, even if you had infinite time in a day, you would not be able to do as good a job as we're going to do for you. You know what I'm saying? So I think that is an important function of ours is to be able to prove out that, yeah, we can deliver on a quality standard that um, is value for people, right? And saves them time. It's a convenience factor. You know, you just, people always want to save time and, 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 um, I think we can, yeah, we can do, do that in a really interesting way, but it all starts with quality. If, you know, if now we're asking you to like go through a lot of shit on our site, right. Then we're not doing that. Yeah. Right? And it doesn't, it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. I, the, the site is going to be sick. I mean, it's like crazy how fast everything is changing around it though. But right. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just like sort of talking this out, like it's gonna have value even when there's a million creators and songs out there that yeah. are just like so much easier to make. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's just gonna I be know. so much more, right? Yeah. I think the best thing we can do in the meantime is establish ourselves as people who see and can identify quality, mm-hmm. right? To do that now. Yeah. Right? Before people realize they have this problem of oversaturation. Yeah. We do. It's happening. Right. It's already there. Yeah, we are. But it's about to be really there. Right. Uh, And music is only, you know, is is only there's only be more of it made. Mm -hmm. There's only be more creators sort of coming in that can sort of, you know, be amateurs. There's only be more robots making it. Right. Do you talk with artists about that? Like, what are the artists that that are in our network have like what have they been saying about? sort of the future of music creation and all this new technology that's going to affect Again, they it. don't, they don't, they don't even think about it. Uh-huh. Right? They hear about it. Right. But there, no one's really has the time to really dive into what it means and yeah. to play with it. And, and that, like, you know, think about, you know, the artists that come to our sessions. Um, so I don't think they're really thinking about, you know, if from that, I think there's sort of, made, you know, there could be a whole new genre type of artist that's made that, is just focus on AI generation and, mm-hmm. and, and, and that. And I think, you know, producers and DJs, I could see them really sort of leaning into this and like just a way to generate sounds, just a way to like, you know, get new interesting ideas. Um, 
but they're I think for the recording artists, um, yeah, they they I don't think they really start to think or think about it or or think about what it means for their practice. Right. Sort of going forward. Yeah, some of them are like looking for new tools to like create more shit. Like Dupes used that AI yeah. model of TK in that song he just sent yeah. us. But like right. you know, it's not much more than that, I guess, from the artist. Like here and there they'll poke around with new tools. Right. But it's not like you know, they're just thinking about the music they're making. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, like I think, you know, these are tools and they will help more people create, which is cool. Um and I think, you know, artists will at some point implement some form of it, you know, even if it's, you know, someone will, if I'm a, you know, if I'm, if I'm a, a, a recording artist and I want to find a beat, you know, maybe I, instead of going to beat stars and, and buying a beat, I could just go to like an AI generation tool, type in a type beat and have like 15 versions made and, and they're you know they're decent so i can write to and i can like make songs to i could see that potentially mm -hmm. right um i don't you know it it depends on your view of the capability of ai to generate like quality music right relative to a human <laughs> yeah and where you know where that line is and you know when we cross that yeah i mean that line is weird like i was and I don't know, so I was just reading the new Water and Music newsletter on creative AI and music. Mm -hmm. um, and they said, like, sort of the state of those tools right now is that, like, an AI can create, like, a generally kind of cool sound with, like, text to audio or um, just, like, generative tools that can do that but right. it's really bad at making like a specific sound that's in your head and getting right. that onto like you know yes. paper so that you can hear it and it right. probably will never get to that point where like or and then and then i think the newsletter talked about like some tools that will get to like humming and like vocals to music like mm -hmm. that'll be cool and i think that just will help the people who already have the best ideas musically get right. their ideas out. Right. I think like a lot of people are worried that like all this AI generated music is going to take over and it's going to take away opportunities from artists and yeah. like all this music's going to suck and it's like no one's really going to give a shit about all this music that sucks that's just getting produced by AI. It's like people are going to care about you know the, the artist who products. has a really sick idea who's just like using some AI tool maybe to bring this beat to life that's in their head and then put their voice over it. And it's still going to be music creators with really cool ideas who are making the best music. And I think, you know, getting, hopefully getting discovered and, and, you know, people will care more about that. Right. But we should create a fake artist. Uh, those projects are crazy. There's so many of those. It's but like, we should, I mean, we should do that and then place them, put verses on our music. Uh-huh. Right. So, like when we, you know, we have a bunch of music that we make, we could have like, we have extra space. We should just put like a verse by some <laughs> artists and be like, right. just like, just give them a name. Yeah. Like no one even has to know. But I think that could be really interesting. Or like, you know, we could, we could think about how to use AI in the, in what we're doing. I think that'd be an interesting way. Um, we could think about some other ways to do it, but yeah, why not? You know, we are at the forefront of this technology and technology in general, and we should start sort of playing around with some of these tools um, just so we can be educated on yeah. sort of where the space is. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's gonna be that. That's a cool idea, dude. Like, because no one some, just have some, some like first. random profile on the platform of some like AI that. Yeah, I don't Who's know. Who's that guy? He's on I don't AI. think. Yeah, I don't think. I don't know. Like those those like digital like artists no, that don't ex- those are so, I mean I guess at the end of the day those are just like people making all the music right but like those virtual artist projects are so weird to me they're weird yeah they're weird I'd rather I'd rather it be like like we're thinking about for the house mm-hmm. like going up and just finding a tree and right right the right. tree the artist yeah right how you can like <laughs> you can like tap into like the electromagnetic fields of plants and make it yeah, you can make it interact with a synthesizer and yeah, you can turn. <laughs> Maybe, you can, we still you, haven't you can, done that. We got yeah, make we the turn the MIDI start. data and then just right. Yeah, and then you know you can make music off of that, right? I think easy, yeah. easy idea yeah. that would easily, easily go viral. Yeah, like, there's no doubt. Like we could make a tree a fucking star, <laughs> no doubt. But we um, could have a whole tree pack. I'm telling you, <laughs> a whole pack. I'm you, we could actually sell a tree. You know, what I mean, like I think it. We should, we need to do this idea, but, um, but yeah, no, I think, you know, these, these tools are cool and there's a lot of interesting ways to sort of implement them. And I think there are, they are tools. And what you said is interesting. Cause I, I do think even with like mid journey and some of the text to visual, you have an idea and you have, you know, you, you imagine something and you prompt it. It doesn't come out like you think it, no. it, you know, like you're envisioning it. Right. If you had true artistic talent that would enable you to get your true vision out, then that'll always be superior to using AI. Mm-hmm. Right. I think AI can help you do it quickly. Right. Can help you like, you know, it gets you farther than you could probably get yourself like, or me. But for someone who's truly gifted, I think one, they're probably using AI for something completely different. That's taking them to a whole, but but ultimately, it's not getting, you know, the idea out of your brain in the way that you you see it. Right. Or in the case of music, the way you hear it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like going to be a tool for the people who still have the best ideas. Right. Um, right. So what's next for Float after this? Do you want to talk about that a little bit? I mean, look, I think right now it's platform, it's capital raising. So if any of you out there want to (laughs) help us raise money or want to invest, let me know. But um, once, yeah, once we have the, you know, the platform up, it's really then about, you know, making music and releasing projects, um, growing the membership. Those are the things that are going to drive the next layer for us, you know, and, and take us to the next level. Um, and so that's really the, you know, the focus. I love the idea of us having a physical space. Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked about this. I think having the digital platform is going to be a key part of us growing globally, no doubt, and membership and, you know, yeah. and, and folks and, and allowing us to like really identify a global community. But I, 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 I love the idea of us having uh, a space where we can go to, escape to, right, and work really sort of around the clock and make and create things. And so I think that's after sort of us getting platform launched and up and going, um, I think that's the next thing that I, I really want to focus on. Yeah. You know, if we get to that point mm-hmm. is having a physical space and maybe it's having – 
you know, a violent noise DC, or maybe it's us going out west and having a place, or maybe it's us having a, you know, a place in Europe somewhere where we can use it as a, like an artist retreat. I think those are sort of long-term, yeah. you know, vision. Um, but, you know, if you think about our model, right, it is not that, you know, not just that we have artists around this, but we have a community of fans and collectors, right, who we want to give experiences to. So I think having a physical space or spaces or access gives us the opportunity to create some amazing experiences for uh, for our community. And I think secretly, like between me and you, like what I really want to do over the long term, right, is have hotels, <laughs> like float hotels uh-huh. that our are own, you know, eaten of sorts, our own eaten. Right. Yeah. I was thinking we need our own the pocket or our own seven drum city but no yeah it's really our, all those things we need, our, like, we need our our own hotels yeah right our own like estates where now we have members only mm-hmm. artists and fan of ours community um we can really congregate come together it's a real private club right yeah it's like you know i think that's that's the ultimate vision right as far as i could see it um and I think that could be cool. Like that could be super dope to have almost like a music focused Soho house, right? Mm-hmm. That is members only music, you know, brings us together. Right. But, you know, from that. It's uh, a we place do to a create of, and showcase music right. and connect with other people. Yeah, who exactly. Are trying to do the same thing. Yeah. yeah. It's a cool club. I mean, <laughs> I mean that'd be pretty be a cool. a super dope club. Yeah. <laughs> The I, if there was one fire. of those in DC, I would be there every the single DJs day. DJs would be fire. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. it would be fire. Yeah, right. Then you could do like a radio show from it. Like, you could do all this shit that all yeah. sort of works together. Right. Exactly. 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 So, uh, we just got to take it step by step. Right. Um, and we got to execute every step like amazingly. You're right. And I think that's 100% what I'm really focused on right now is like, how do we just execute it every step? to the point where we can get to that, right? And it's not easy, you know, but I think that's like really the test for us right now is that's the vision that could happen. That's well within the realm of possibility. Um, but it, uh, it it just requires us to really get hyper-focused right now and, you know, do the thing right in front of us at the, at the best we can, highest level we can. Yeah, let's get it. Let's get it. Um, <laughs> Is there anything else you want to touch on as we're sort of wrapping no, up here? I, think, I mean, yeah. we covered we covered a lot. I yeah. Think what the, time is the, it? How, how much time have we gone? It is one fifty. I mean, we started a okay. little late, so, so that was so probably like, right around ninety minutes. So it's been yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, that was good. I think uh, definitely a good update for for people who were tuning in to float. I mean, the the episode from October was yeah. I mean, we're just like totally different from from where we're at in october and and i think hopefully this will give people a great update on like where we're at what we're thinking about you know how the new platform is going to change things um and like why why we're doing all this why this helps artists why this helps us why this is a new way for music to get created and monetized yes sir yeah no I, i i need to go back and look at that first episode now too and uh, I think it'll be, yeah, it'll be interesting. I was telling Bakari, like, just to be able to document thoughts along the yeah. way. Um, as we learn, as we do more things, like, again, the whole part of our sort of business did not exist in, you know, October when we first spoke. Right. 
like we had not done a big recording session like that and, and all that. And that's a, you know, core part of what we do. Now we have, you know, a partnership with Eaton Hotel DC, um, doing that. So yeah, it'll, you know, now there's a whole new frame and context around, uh, how I'm thinking about membership and, you know, maybe back then even, you know, we were thinking, or I was thinking, um, about like member experiences. Mm -hmm. uh, and now we have one. So yeah, either way, it'll be interesting to go back and listen to that and, just take some notes. Yeah, it's exciting. All right. Good shit. All right, man. I think that's it. We did it. <laughs> Good stuff. Shout out Candor Labs, Bakari. Yes, sir. Thank you, Candor. All right. Wait, wait, wait. Don't go yet. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to check the links in the show notes to find and support Float. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening and followed me on social media at the links in the show notes as well. Also, please don't hesitate to reach out with feedback or comments or questions. I love hearing input from listeners that can help me improve the podcast. And be sure to tune in next week for a conversation with C.Y. Lee, also known as C.X.Y., a prominent collector and Web3 thought leader to hear about his philosophy on collecting music and supporting artists. 